This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and I am so excited. I can't even believe this is happening tonight. We have both of our amazing co-hosts on the show. Matt is here joining us. Matt, welcome to back to the show. It's been a long time. It's okay. Everybody can sit down now. You can quiet the applause. It's okay. I'm glad to be back. Well, the people do it's love you. you again. They do love you. I'm sure they're very happy to hear your voice. And of course, our official EdTech Weekly co-host, as she has been recently dubbed, Christy. Christy is here as well. Woohoo! Official. Thank you. So good to be here. That's right. You never know what can happen. Dreams can come true on EdTech Weekly, and you are now a part of the show. Oh, thank you. Well, I am really excited for you guys to be here, but I think we should just get right into the show. And we, of course, start with the EdTech News Rundown. The first story is from East School News, and they report that Boone County School District is offering digital world language learning to 10,500 students. With help from Rosetta Stone, the district is gaining quality instruction in a subject area that has a shortage of teachers, especially in their uh, district. They ran a successful pilot and now are expanding it to about half of their student population. Uh, Teachers have the access and can also customize some of the online materials, so if they just need it for blended, but it can also be used for a full curriculum. You know, I think that's really interesting for the number of students. I mean, over 10,000 students and also how it was funded through a county funded tax levy. I'm also wondering about the technology and infrastructure that was already in place to allow so many students access to this opportunity. Yeah, I'm assuming they had to have uh, quite a bit in place already for that to work, but it is pretty awesome. Yeah, infrastructure and computers already in place. So Uh, next story, eLearning World reports on Stanford's Aware 16 conference that took place in November. It was the first international wearables and learning and education conference. Topics included wearables in the classroom, collecting and processing data for education, and bridging the gap between humans and technology. Data collection seems to be the most useful part of wearables, and education is beginning to look at the best way to harness that data to help their cause. Um, I believe it could be pretty beneficial, uh, depending on how the data sets are analyzed. But I mean, having more and more information looked at. um, But it does remind me of some security vulnerabilities in the past uh, that have come about because of this. Um, Our third story, uh, the Center for Digital Education gives seven practical cybersecurity steps for ed tech leaders. Uh, Cybersecurity for the ag tech community, as we've seen with recent events where hackers lock school districts out of their systems for ransom, um, amongst other things, being able to just sort of do whatever they want. Uh, there are other steps to increase cybersecurity, and they have laid out several uh, ways that you can, you can do that, and you should take a look at it. These steps include keeping your machine clean, um, constant backups, and a plan for your most important data and how to keep it safe. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously important, Matt, and I know that you have a plethora of knowledge about this subject, but briefly, what do you mean keeping your machines clean? What does that mean? Uh, Basically, just, you know, doing, uh, if you're running a Windows machine or a Windows server system, uh, just scanning it periodically, making sure that malware isn't there. Um, One of the other big things that they do talk about is just keeping your, um, your students and faculty educated on what type of emails are out there, what things um, can make you vulnerable, um, and just how to do it you know, in a safe, clean environment and making sure that your data is what's most important and it's being protect- protected. 
Okay. Well, I did say briefly, Matt, but that's okay. I'll let you go with that. You do know a lot about it, and that is all very important stuff. Definitely check it out, edtechweeklyshow.com. There will be links there as well. Well, I'm stepping up the game with our next story because we are quoting and using the source of the New York Times. That's pretty unbelievable. I think it's about Christy classing the show up a little bit here, but the New York Times reports that Udacity is bringing Blitz out of its trial status. Now, Blitz is a contact basically between Udacity and businesses that allow for a trial project sort of or assignments that a business would like addressed to be done by Udacity students. Now, it works sort of like a hybrid internship where students can be working on a project for that outside company as they learn. Um, Udacity's nano degrees have been getting jobs for their graduates around 900 actually in the last two years, including 20 at Google, which that's kind of like the mother load of getting a job. So if you can get a job by going on Udacity at Google, maybe we should check that out. Uh, they do hope that Blitz will help fill the needs of companies that are having difficulties finding these type of quality candidates as well. Yeah, sounds like this could be a really good deal for Udacity as they're opening a new revenue stream. I thought this article was really interesting to note the three new courses that they've added are centered around hot new fields, um, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, and self-driving cars. Businesses might like this because, as the article states, if you've made it through an Udacity course, it's a sign that they are a self-starter. In this way, to me, it seems to act as a filter for businesses to get qualified candidates besides the formal post-secondary education route. Yeah, and I'm not sure we envisioned this. I certainly didn't, but it seems like these MOOCs are sort of getting into allowing people to actually get jobs. I mean, just getting 900 jobs in the last two years and 20 at Google, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and there's got to be some legitimacy to the course, too, for that to happen. So, you know, all those online courses, you wonder about the certification and what that really means. So yeah. interesting about the jobs after that. Uh, next up, the White House announced a new prize challenge for virtual and augmented reality learning tools. Gamification was a topic at the White House in 2014 when they launched the first White House Education Game Jam. Games and simulations have been used to explore answers to tough questions like Ebola, decreasing the cost of solar energy, and blocking robocalls. The administration launched a new competition, the EdSim Challenge, that wants next-generation simulations that will strengthen career and technical skills. The challenge will award $680,000 in cash and additional sponsor prizes from IBM, Microsoft, and Samsung. You have until January 17th to submit a proposal on five finalists, each receiving 50,000 bucks will be selected and paired with expert mentorship as they refine and build their simulation. Uh, I 100% love it. I think it's a great, uh, a great use of, you know, getting more and more kids involved, uh, more and more adults that are interested in things like this. So I think it's awesome. There's another great service. Um, it's through Twitter. It's called the U.S. Digital Service, and it's kind of like a Peace Corps for nerds, but it kind of follows along <laughs> the same idea as well, finding different things out there you can do. It's like a Peace Corps for nerds. I love that. Uh, now I have to check it out. Well, I didn't. I, that's actually what they have on their Twitter page. That's still awesome. Yeah. Um, so our last story is the Open University News reports that um, or reports on a website designed to offer resources to adults returning to learning. Uh, the website is called Pearl Part-Time Education for Adults Returning to Learn and has some advice, some advice tools, steps to learn, plan learning, and other resources to help returning learners have a smooth transition. 
The line on its website sums it up, designed to help and inspire you to explore your learning options. Two things on this. First of all, I can understand why they called it Pearl, because part-time education for adults returning to learn is kind of tough. And also, I specifically gave this to you, Matt, because it talks about returning learners, and that's just it's a tough thing to say. So you, you tackled it well, though. Good job, buddy. Thanks. I'm glad I could get through it. Hey, you did it, man. Well, this is, I of hope course, that's great. what's that? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. This is, of course, the topic that we're going to be talking about. Um, and, you know, I kind of did look at this site a little bit, and I thought it was interesting. Like I said, there were a couple ways to sort of get people who are getting back into learning. Um, and so as our discussion, I kind of wanted to ask a couple questions to you guys, and we could just kind of talk about it and see what we think here. First of all, I want to address, uh, especially working in higher ed, the stigma of what this means about adult learners or returning to learn. Um, I think this is changing rapidly um, because we don't really, we can't really put a student in a box anymore. What type of student they're going to be? Online education is really starting to change that. So, I mean, can we even use that term, average student anymore, or uh, returning to learn? Aren't, aren't we all just people that have the opportunity to learn if they want to now because of online learning? Well, we talk about lifelong learners uh, and, you know, we talk about that at the K-12 setting, but also as adults too, you know, I don't know. And when do we stop learning and wouldn't it be great for us all to pursue interests? And now we have all these courses to be able to do that in an online way. Yeah. I mean, as time progresses on, you go to places like Reddit Code Academy and they have a plethora of different courses you can take out there that teach you a million different things. You can dig down into the most obscure thing you want to learn about and it's all right there for you. Yeah, and I just wanted to also mention, uh, ladies and gentlemen, EdTech Weekly Show History just was made. We used the word plethora, well, now three times. It was two times, but now it's three. That's that's a smart show. That is a smart show, I'm just going to say. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Christy, especially when you talk about, you know, what does it mean that we weren't learning, um, you know, we're all of a sudden we're learners again. I just think in this day, especially with the amount of things and some of the sites that Matt mentioned, like Reddit and um, Code Academy and those types of things. I mean, I, I think it's probably safe to say that the three of us have been doing this on some level, whether it's been an official way for getting a master's or other things after our traditional education ended. Is there anything, I know Matt mentioned Reddit and know I've been big about talking about Reddit, especially to uh, the EdTech Weekly uh, audience and also to friends. I really love that site, but are there any other sites that you guys go to um, when you're interested in learning something and where do you start with that? Well, right now I'd say Twitter for educators is pretty huge. I learned so much just scrolling through my Twitter feed and following other people's links. It's kind of a more informal way. You know, Stanford's got some great online courses right now that are free and it's just amazing that you can take all of these courses without ever actually having to go to Stanford, but you're getting a Stanford quality education online, I guess. Yeah, what to go to is GitHub. Um, you know, not only do a lot of people put up their own code up there about how to do certain things, but a lot of educators are starting to go there, you know, pushing, you know, their their topics and then the things that they want to bring forth. So it's it's a great community, and I really recommend anybody who's interested in coding to take a look there. Yeah, I, I think GitHub, uh, places like GitHub and Reddit, um, I think had been – um, more of the, I mean, I don't want to say nerdy, but people like you, Matt, would be on those sites for a while. Like, this is not new information to you. But, you know, the cooler people like Christy and I, 
we maybe are a little bit slower to get into this stuff, but I think even the cool people like us are now starting to get into it. Is that, do you think that's a fair assessment, Matt? I don't know <laughs> if it's always been, you know, I think maybe you guys have looked at it as we were not the cool ones. So that hurts. <laughs> uh, no, it, honestly, but it's changed a lot. I mean, a couple of years ago when someone was like, Hey, go to GitHub so you can do this. I really looked at it with, you know, kind of a crazy eye. The community really wasn't there yet. And I think now you're starting to see a, a, a really big development when it comes to wanting to help people. There are even, uh, you know, Indiegogo accounts that are linking to GitHub pages to, just to bring the community together because they're seeing the way that everybody can sort of help shape things. Yeah. And I think, I think you bring up a great point when it comes to education in general, whether it's, you know, it's, you know, quote unquote, returning to learn or not. It's the community that is really pushing all this stuff forward. We're getting a lot more opportunities to learn in the communities. Um, Christy mentioned Twitter. Um, you're following links that people are talking about because they learned something somewhere. You mentioned GitHub. You get on there and you start to learn things and they start building that community. Uh, Reddit as well. Um, all great resources to check out. And we all may have our different you know, ways that we trend so to speak but you know those are all great places to start with lifelong learners and i did look at the pearl site um it's i'd say it's a little bit basic but it's probably not a bad place to start if you're trying to figure out how to go back into the learning environment and you're not real comfortable with some of those things like we mentioned yay nay yeah no i agree with you i i think that it's pretty nice um there's I guess I shy a little bit more away from some of the gamification applications that they're they're deciding to use, but that's just a personal preference. Yeah, we know. You don't like gamification. We know. And I, I think it's not that you don't like gamification. It's just like the way that it is represented and what people use it to mean and how they think it's going to solve problems. Yeah. But, I, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just, I was just about to wrap it up. So if you have something to say, yeah. say it, bud. Oh, nah, well, kind of what I was just going to say was, you know, I think it's a it's a it's a great movement forward, and I think you need things like this in the beginning that try to uh, localize everything into one area. But when you start using gamification in certain ways, it looking at it as an a potential employer, it I don't, I don't know, it it seems a little little off to me. But then again, you know, they're taking this into a new place. Yeah, well, so I mean, we don't know where it might go it, for so. sure, but I think it's an the thought is interesting of what the possibilities are. So I guess we'll have to give them the benefit out and see yeah. what happens. All right, guys. Well, that is the end of the show for the week. Um, I'm so happy that you guys showed up and we're on the show, Matt. We had recently someone send a CV in and she's going to be participating in the show here and she referenced you and I. So even though you haven't been on the show for a while, you know, I'm starting to learn how this podcast crowd works and you just never know where they're going to start or where they're going to be when they reach out to the show. So Matt is back for everyone who's here with us, and we're excited, and hopefully he'll be able to join us more frequently. Um, please go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes. I tweeted out recently that we were number 24 on educational technology, and I think that has a lot to do with people going on and rating, and we've had a couple here recently, so give us a rating on there. Um, we appreciate the good ones, but of course, any rating we'll take because we just want to have people be able to find the show. You can always email the show, edtechweekly at gmail.com. Edtechweekly at gmail.com is the way to go. Find us on Reddit. Matt, 
edtechweekly.reddit.com. I know that's not how you like to get there, but that's how <laughs> I tell the people to go. We also have some other social media like Facebook and Twitter, and of course, edtechweeklyshow.com. And that's going to be able to, you're going to be able to look at the stories that we talked about. And if there's any links you were interested in, you can find them there. Follow me on Twitter at Fortech Teachers. We won't give you Matt's Twitter for various reasons. Um, and Christy at Christy M. Warren on Twitter as well. Guys, um, Christy, I, I know that you are the official co host, but Matt is the official show ender. Matt. The people have been waiting for you for weeks and it feels like months and months. I'm not sure how long it's been, but do you have anything for the good people as we leave the show today? I am humbled, humbled, humbled by the great welcome, welcome, welcome. I've had one. I've come back to the show, the show, the show. And, that's and without listeners like you, it wouldn't be possible. You forgot the possible, 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 possible. That's all. Echo, that's, Echo took a lot longer. That's no editing, ladies and gentlemen. That's all done right off the cuff from Matt himself. Christy, do you have anything you'd like to plug as we head out today? Uh, you know, my Twitter hashtag or Christy and Mooring, you said that. And then I always love Kids Deserve It. Hashtag Kids Deserve It on Twitter. Check out hashtag Kids Deserve It on Twitter. All right, guys. Thanks again. And we'll see all of our audience back on EdTech Weekly next week. And hopefully... Matt and Christy will be here as well. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on EdTech Weekly.